Welcome to episode 44 of Neil Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, your host. Thanks for joining me. I have got a really wonderful show for you today. The ever so talented, charming, and funny Aaron Abrams joins me for a lovely chat. Aaron is an actor, writer, and director. He played Brian Zeller on the hit television show Hannibal for all of its three seasons. He was recently on Masters of Sex, and currently you can find him on Blind Spot as Matthew White and in the coming of age film Closet Monster as Peter Madley. Now, having Aaron over for the interview was super fun. I first met Aaron when he did my Five Truths and Lies storytelling show at DragonCon in 2015. In fact, after this, you should go to geekgirlauthority.com and look up Five Truths and the Lie, Aaron Abrams, to find his story. It's one of the best audition stories I've ever heard, and it also introduced the word boatswaining into my vocabulary. So there's that. It's just really, really funny. Okay, back to the interview. We're going to talk about Aaron growing up in Toronto, how he became an actor and writer. In fact, we have a lovely chat about the art of writing, which I really enjoyed. And then, yes, we talk Hannibal. A lot of fun insights and trivia there. We also talk about his current movie, Closet Monster. And I cannot stress enough to go out and see this movie. It's a beautiful and artful film about a teenager who is gay and haunted by traumatic memories and wants to escape his hometown, which also means escaping his tormented and homophobic father, who Aaron plays superbly. You guys are going to love this episode. Uh, Please don't forget to check out geekgirlauthority.com for all your pop culture and geek culture news. Follow Geek Girl Authority on Twitter and also listen to my other podcasts, Booze and Phasers and Five Truths and a Lie, which we just released a new episode for Five Truths and a Lie from DragonCon 2016. That one includes actors from Farscape, Dark Matter, Continuum, Archer, and Warehouse 13. Also head over to iTunes or Stitcher and give Neil Before Odd a review if you're so inclined. I'd really appreciate it. All right, enjoy episode 44 of Neil Before Odd with my guest, Mr. Aaron Abrams. Internet, heed this call. Open your minds and ears and prepare yourselves to kneel before all. Hey there, and welcome to episode 44 of Kneel Before Odd. I'm Audrey Kearns, and this is the podcast where I interview geek patriots. For this, I I can't even get through it without, (laughs) without laughing. I'm saying this to my guest, Aaron Abrams. Hi, this is an early introduction because I couldn't even get through my own intro. Um, This episode, I have Aaron Abrams, actor and writer. And you know Aaron for many projects, most notably Brian Zeller in in Hannibal, the hit television show. Most recently, he appeared in Masters of Sex, Blindspot. And currently, Aaron, you play a very conflicted father Mm. named Peter Madley in the film Closet Monster, which is now in release in the United States. Thanks for coming over to my house. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting... It's a pleasure to kneel before you. <laughs> I appreciate it. it. It is for most people. It is for <laughs> most people in, in my wonderful uh, nerd room. Mm. Um, thank you. But before we get started, just thank you for letting my dog crotch punch you I when we got here. I warned you. It was going to happen. It happened. Uh, it really happened. I mean, you your dog doesn't mess nobody around. believes me. Like, I'm, I always say... I'm telling you, this is going to happen 100%. It's not going to be cutesy. He is going to jump on you. And you're like, I got it. Yeah. I'm going to rub his like, belly. I it's going to be enthusiastic fine. dogs. I get it. I've been around. No, this is a brand new thing. Scout is a is a new breed <laughs> of, of inc- excitable dog. Yeah. And you guys can hear him chewing on his rawhide. That's the only thing stopping him from... Um, Attacking Aaron right mm-hmm. now. But I guarantee you, by the end of this podcast, he's going to be sitting next to you on that couch. I have a deal with dogs. Uh, yeah. I, me and yeah. dogs get along real good. Yeah. He's my first. Really? I'm a cat person. I grew up with cats. And so I was oh, terrified. No. And um, I did the thing. And everybody laughed at me when, as I tell the story. I'll see if you pick up on it. So we've only ever had cats. Brian, my husband, hates cats. We only ever lived in apartments. You want a dog? No, not in an apartment. We're not going to. Fair. It's, it's, I just don't. I not fair to dog. Sure. But, you know, I came up with this whole story, and um, but I did talk him into getting two cats, and uh, then our my stepdaughter's out with us, and we moved to a place in Culver City, 
And he's like, we got a house. We can get the dog. But we had apartments in the backyard. So there was no backyard. It was like a driveway to, you know how in Culver there, there's like two or three. Right? Yeah. Right. No, no. This was working for me. They listened to what Audrey had to okay. say because I ran, I run the house. I was like, there's no, there's no way. And then we moved to another place in Culver City. And lo and behold, there's a fenced in yard. Mm. And they both just look at me and like, like, I'm not taking care of it. I'm not taking care of it. I'll take care of the cats. You take care of the dogs, the dog. And we got the dog. And within a week, it's it's all on me. It's, sure. Yeah. That's the way dogs go. Yeah, yeah. It's like I walk it. I take care of it. They enjoy playing with it, just not keeping it alive. Sure. You're still referring to it as it. <laughs> My it son, hasn't really Scout. opened your heart to this idea My of the son, dog, I, I don't think. That's, that, that, that's a very good point, Aaron. That's very good, good observation skills. <laughs> I will say this, that, and it gets Brian mad, is that he does love me the most. Like, out of anybody, he's going to follow me the That's most. That's because you're playing hard to get with this calling it. it. Yeah, he just constantly like, wants. Oh, I'm going to break through. And then she will love me mm-hmm. and be the best for me. No, he's so sorry for the crotch punch. I I, I enjoyed it. Okay, I'll take good. one again. You will have one again. That's fine. It's Great. Not... I look forward to it. So, Aaron, I ask everybody on Neil Before Odd. Yes. What is their nerd origin story? So, for you, what is your nerd origin story? Yeah. What are you geeky about? Oh, it's it's a strange thing now because I think nerds are um, the idea of nerd. I think when I grew up or when my origin story began would have been a different thing than it is now. Like right. now, it just means uh, I think a, a person who is passionate about something. In it's almost earnest, like a different word for fan. It's like and you like genre stuff. Yeah, and, but it's it's passionate. You can be you can be a nerd about anything. anything. You're certainly and you're so passionate about it that you don't care about coolness or what mm-hmm. other people think. And that's become the new coolness. Exactly. Which makes sense because exactly. coolness has always been about anti you know anti something anti whatever's yeah. normal yeah and then being wanting to be cool became normal so of course anti-cool became the new cool exactly. it all it's makes all, a lot of sense it's all cyclical too <laughs> and so when I, I think the thing that made me i it's it's hard to say because the thing that i was most passionate about uh i was a very sort of passionate young man like whether it be sports or i was i, I was making a list so i was obsessed with james bond movies Specifically, oh, wow. the villains. I had lists and charts of these villains. Uh-huh. I'd write little short stories from like the villains' point of view. I don't know what that's so about. So you were doing fan fiction before it had a name. I agree. Yes, yeah. I was. I was yeah. a trailblazer in the uh-huh. fan fiction game. I even invented like a henchman and had his exploits. I was writing. His name was Tidbit. And he had a <laughs> metal arm. Oh my that god! You could exchange the the end of it, so oh. yeah, I could have a knife or a gun, and. uh but so yeah, I was pretty, and just lists in general. I, I, I'm, so it was James Bond, and it was uh, what else? I mean, there was base. There's a lot of baseball, and just names. I feel like that's a really weird one. So you, you these are things that remember. I kept secret because I knew they were uncool. So I don't know right. if that's because the definition of nerd has changed. But I certainly like. I bought, you know, when I was a kid, I had name books, uh-huh. like just book books of baby names. I would go that's through it and write down names of. Different names of people that could be judge, earnest, this and that. Like, right. like that's weird. Did you ever get into what the names meant? No, I don't care. You don't care. You never got past that. You just no, like names. Just like, yeah, name and then like what kind of person that p- person with that name would be. Oh, wow. I, Does that ever get in your way? Say you came up, just just throwing this out there. Mm-hmm. You came up with a, with a name of a guy named Frank Tennant. And then yeah. what happens 20 years from now, if you met that guy named Frank Tennant, would you be able to not think about the characteristics you had given him as a child? Well, that happens to us all, doesn't it? I mean, we meet, <laughs> like, we meet a Frank and we're like, you're not a, you're you're not, not a, you're Frank. Not a Frank. Frank. And then you eventually have to be like, I guess he is a Frank. That is his name. I have to adapt my understanding of what Franks are. Yeah. How inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> I worked I, I uh, uh, worked at this gaming company for a long time. And for six months, the owner... Um, the one of the owners of the company called me Valerie, and, and, and I stopped correcting her because she apologized. She goes, you, she goes, Audrey, you just look like a Valerie. I, and so on any file that we shared, you know, you know, if we couldn't think of a password, I just always put Valerie. As how do you password. feel about that? I feel like that lady's not incorrect. I feel like there is something <laughs> very Valerie-ish about it. You know, you. I think because I mean, if it, 
I guess if it was a different name, maybe if she, for some reason, no offense to anybody with this name, I would have been offended if it was Denise, because I don't think I look like a Denise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's your last place name is Denise? Well, I just don't think I look like a Denise. Oh, I, but, and you'd be offended if yeah. someone thought you looked like a Denise. Yeah. Yeah. Denise's are, are they, what are, what Denise, are Denise's? Denise's are, are, are wonderful. <laughs> I just think that they usually have a job in HR and. Uh, oh, <laughs> I know. That's I, interesting. Yeah. But no, Valerie, yeah, you're right. Valerie didn't offend me. Valerie's a great name. Yeah. Valerie's are nice people from what I can tell. Yeah. And so are Denise's to all my Denise's. Yeah. I mean, I have the, I feel like I have a different opinion about Denise's than you. Yeah. You like a Denise. I, yeah, I think Denise, I think a little, uh, she may be, Dressed formally, but there's some sort of edginess going on yeah. underneath. I feel take like take off Denise, the glasses and yeah. take the hair out yeah. of the bun, and then you've it's got a real librarian. something, or yeah, something in there. Sexy librarian. No, no, I also, do. Also, Denise think- Huxtable is what I think about. <laughs> of course, who was the Denise- most beautiful, uncomfortably beautiful. She was. Did you have a problem? Like, mom? Oh no, my gosh, as I think, a kid, I, think, I didn't even know, understand it. And yeah. I didn't recognize that she was attractive at all until. Uh-huh. I became, you know, 20 and going through Cosby reruns, recipes, uh-huh. Cosby reruns, uh, <laughs> we're going through these reruns and being, holy smoke, Lisa Bonet, uh-huh. 19-year-old Lisa Bonet is a problem. Yeah. She, she, she's a beautiful, have you seen her recently? Still a problem. My goodness. And then she gets to marry or have yes. a bunch of kids with Jason Momoa, who yeah. I don't have a problem with. I worked with Jason Momoa once. On yeah. Stargate uh, were you Atlantis. on Stargate Atlantis? I played. When were you on Stargate Atlantis? I watched every episode of that. I was a guy. I played a space pirate. It was called the human? Lost Boys. I was the king of these like Lost Boys sort of things, and they were like these Peter Panish. I know exactly what episode you're talking about. Yes, it was a two-parter, and me and Jason Momoa had beef. And I had super strength because there was this like space serum yeah. that would give, but the space serum was making us all crazy. So me, I had basically Jason Momoa strength, right? Even though I looked scrawny, and then uh, and then I died from an OD or not OD uh, withdrawals from the I did I couldn't get that my space serum in time and I died from my withdrawals because I don't remember all those particulars, but I remember mm-hmm. the set of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like like you said, kind of like Peter Pan's kind of Lost Boys kind of thing. Yeah, we were dressed I, in oh weird rags. You, so I saw that, what, 10 years before I ever met you. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Yes, before we all knew who was Aquaman. Yes. And before, I mean, I love Jason Momoa. But, sure. But that was basically Stargate Atlantis, in my opinion, was his acting school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. his. I mean, because by the time he got to... Khal Drogo in Game of Thrones. I mean, he nailed it. Absolutely. He was already... Absolutely nailed it. Star, Stargate Lance was like, listen, just be the coolest guy who yeah. beats up everyone. And he was like, oh, okay, I can try and do that. Yeah. And then he figured out how to be the best at that. Yeah. And that's... Then we're here sitting in a room today talking, talking about Talking about it. Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet and how much <laughs> how hot they are. Um, so, well, hey, what's your favorite... What, I grew up in Roger Moore Bond. Oh, Yeah. What's what about you? What's your favorite? It's evolved. I think when I was a kid, Roger Moore Bond, they all do something great. None of them are, I, I don't think, to be honest, none uh-huh. of them are like 100% checking every box. Right, Connery right. is sort of the template. Uh-huh. But Moore, and Moore, I thought, could hit a joke, but uh-huh. like when it comes to punching somebody in the face or kissing a girl, it gets real weird. It Yeah. Yeah. He's a he bit of a the, dandy and like a bit of It was kind of. The, he's a candy ass a little bit. Is that he right? He made it kitschy. He made it super Absolutely. kitschy, but you know? it's not not kitschy. It's kind of supposed to be kitschy yeah, a little true. bit. There's certainly some stuff that happens in those in those that he's bringing to the table that revigorates the franchise a little bit to me. Right, Live and Let Die is great. That's great. My favorite movie though is because I since I was introduced to Bond when yeah. I was 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 um, you know under ten, um, so the cartoon equality. Yeah. I like a lot of it. So like Moonraker. I, yeah, I agree. Like I, if I was to watch Moonraker now, I'd be like, I, I've watched it. I was like, oh my gosh, that barely holds up. But at the time, I loved it. That's the one. Is that the one where they fight in the air? Like they do a parachute shoot drop or something? In Moonraker? No, that's, that's View to a Kill. That's View, that's view to a Kill. And with Jaws? Well, no, Jaws is in Jaws Moonraker is in Moon- and Spy Who Loved See, Me. See, I'm moving them all together. But Jaws is also a full-on cartoon. Like, he's yeah. like the coyote. Yeah. He dies in every scene and then just, like, comes back. Yeah. Yes. When I was a kid, we were coming back from uh, my military brat. We were stationed in Hong Kong, so we are coming back to the States. And uh, we stopped in Hawaii. And 
we stop at some like street side market and my dad forces us to take a picture with this large man and it's very uncomfortable. Go take a picture with him. Oh. And he's not explaining to us why we need to take a picture of him. And and he finally tells us afterwards he's um who's the guy who throws the odd job. Uh, it was odd job. Yeah. Yeah. It was odd job. Oh wait. Oh, I was gonna. He's say, big, big. Yes, I was gonna say like guy. odd job is a bad dude, and then I yeah. realized that's the Austin Powers odd job. Yeah, that's di- yeah. different odd job. Different odd job. Yeah. I think the Goldfinger odd job was like a professor and a yeah. very nice man, and blah blah blah. Austin Powers got a job, not so much. Not so much. Did you like Austin Powers? Was it a good? Yeah, fight? sure. Yeah. Austin Powers was a good time. It was a good time. It was fun. I'm glad you like Daniel it. Craig, James Bond. I like Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig is the best, I think, at punching people in the face. That's his now thing. Now he's, yeah. I mean, the very first, what, what was I don't. That? I don't find him dapper at all. Like, he feels almost blue-collar yeah. quality, which makes him charming and yeah. likable, but it's, it's, it's certainly, like, when he's wearing a tuxedo and, like, he doesn't even drink martinis. Sometimes he's just like, beer. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, yeah, that yeah. suits you, but that's weird. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. He is good at beating people up, like, the very first was yeah, the first he's, one back, he's like uh, a brute. Was it Casino Royale when yeah. they, they're on the scaffolding? And yes. Brute. That freaked me out. But yeah, he is. I, I told Whereas Connery him. is like equal parts, brute, fancy man, and Romeo. And so organizer. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah, <laughs> my, yeah, exactly. And, and, and bad person. Where'd you grow up? Uh, Toronto, Canada. Oh my God, you're like the fourth person. Who are the other three? Three, three days in my house to be from Toronto. Not like everybody from Toronto knows each other. Um... These comedian, this com- comedian couple, the Greenbergs, they do Chelsea Nurse Scout. Scout, it's okay. That's it. He tuckered himself yeah. out. He's done. And I don't know if you've met, um, because uh, we have mutual friends, mm-hmm. you and I, and uh, Josh Flaum is a friend of our mutual friends. He's a Toronto guy. Oh, as great. Well. Are you Torontans? Torontians? Torontonians. Torontonians. Oh. Yeah. So what, you grew up in Toronto or on a suburb? In the, yeah, in the, like, the rough streets of North York, which is, like, a nice suburb, I guess. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's part of Toronto, but it's the, it's just, it's not downtown or anything. Yeah, yeah. You guys can hear Scout panting because he's just jumped up on. We're imprinting. We're imprinting again. Um, Did you act in Toronto as a kid? Yeah, I was, it was sort of, um, I mean, I really was, I think, a pretty obnoxious child. To be honest, it was a lot of look at me. And a Are you lot not, of, no, you said you had a brother. Is it just I had a brother, you? but he's like eight years older than me. Okay. So it's, uh, and uh, I, I I remember being in a bunch of classes, like piano, and I don't, I feel like I remember a cooking class, but that can't be correct. From when you were super young? Yeah. And then when I was around eight, they put me in an acting class, and I, I think I just chilled out. I was like, oh, well, I get well, it. Oh, Getting attention trying, is. Were they trying to find something to focus you? You know, I got good grades and stuff like that. I just think they were they were good parents. Who were like, let's get you some hobbies. Let's see yeah. what sticks. Uh-huh. Sports is one. What else you got? And then uh, the acting was was a good deal. I remember um, the first thing I ever did it was an acting class with like eight year olds. I was in the younger section, and then we were going to do a showcase, uh-huh. and it was with the like fourteen and fifteen year olds, and they um, all the fourteen and fifteen year olds. I remember watching them like rehearse. And in the, and, and, and the show leading up to, like, they just had a list of names. And, like, go up there and do something. And they're like, what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, don't worry about it. And everybody had monologues and scenes. And I was not, I didn't understand any of that. And I remember the, the girl before me did, it was like a 14 or 15-year-old, did a monologue. Of, she was in tears. And it was about being, she was reliving this rape. And it was, you know, I'd never heard or seen anything like that. And then I went out there. And I was like, okay, I just want to do a couple impressions for everybody. <laughs> I did an impression of my mom driving and my dad driving. Uh-huh. And everyone laughed. And I just remember being like, oh, like this is, it's weird. Because I was sure it wasn't going to work. And it's the first time I remember ever having that feeling. Be like, Had you um, written it down or were you, no. doing, were you improvising everything? I had an idea in my head of yeah. what I was going to do. And the bit was basically that my... My mom is doing like eight things at once. She's a hot coffee and she's trying to get me in the car. And she's got bags and purse and she's trying to uh-huh. chapstick. And, and then she almost gets in an accident and then blames it on the other person. Uh-huh. Whereas my dad is like slowly putting on the gloves and the sunglasses. And then he slowly gets and he turns it on and he just falls asleep. <laughs> Which was the generally the bit. And uh, I just like, that'll be funny. And, um, uh, and people laughed. And I sort of remember being like, oh... That's weird that that 
eventually I figured out I think that something personal could be universal, and that is that's the whole reason I like doing exactly it. because there is such a difference between your mother and your father. They weren't the same with her yeah. trying to multitask and your dad just falling asleep. I'm sure that was like there was something connecting between right. and there was something I, yeah. like up to that point I was just like telling joke jokes yeah. or stealing Cosby stand-up bits uh-huh. and being like hey guy hey I want to stop this adult party for a second and listen <laughs> to me for five minutes everyone look at Aaron yeah yeah and then I was like oh maybe I can there's there can be more myself and still uh-huh. do this be obnoxious well it sounded <laughs> like you had to do a lot of space work in that uh... yes I really did the steering <laughs> wheel the gloves the coffee Did you get into um, improvising, comedy improvising? Yeah, and then, so that led to improvising class, and then eventually when I started doing, I went to an arts high school, and when I went to uh, a conservatory, Uh I went to... Oh, you went to an arts high school? Yeah, yeah, I went to, well, it was an arts program that they had within a regular high school, Uh so there was sort of, we were majors, we were drama majors in the, um, and then in university I went to uh, the Goodman, which was a conservatory, and that... Most conservatories, like, they have roots in one thing where it's, like, Shakespeare or, yeah. or, or voice or movement. And that, sort of, the roots are, are improv. Like, John C. Riley came out of there and a bunch of people oh, wow. like that. Yeah. Um, not sketch improv, just, like, improv improv. Improvising. And uh, uh, that was really the only conservatory I felt like I could do. Like, I, yeah. I was never really a classics guy. I don't really fit yeah. in any of that mold. But they did, like, basically, it's Chicago, so they're doing Mammoth and... Shepherd yeah. and and improvising and I just was I was a pig and shit at that place I loved it. Oh wow! Where were you? Um, I mean, obviously, with you doing that monologue when you you were young, that was basically writing your own own piece. Uh, when did you? Because you're also a writer. Get into mm. writing. Was that after you went were at university or in younger? Yeah, I mean, I was always like even when I was writing fan fiction and stuff like that. Like I remember being the only kid who like wrote stuff yeah. like that in his spare time. Right. Like, in, did in, you um, at that time? Did you were you sharing that with no. anybody? So that was all for you. Yeah. Yeah. The names. That's the right. Bon- tidbit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everything was all for you. When did you start um, like writing for other people? I think a teacher. We had to write something for a teacher, and the teacher like it was grade three or something. Just like stop the class. Uh-huh. She was like reading them at her desk when we had an assignment. And she like read mine out, and I, uh, I was like, "Oh, I'm good at it." I guess. Yeah. She. I remember the first sentence was, it was like some sort of hard boiled detective bullshit, and the first sentence was like, "The phone rang. It was my friend." Blah blah blah. I started to pack, uh-huh. and she was like, "Did you see what he did there?" <laughs> Did you? And she explained why that was such a great opening. Yeah. Why is he packing? Yeah. And I didn't even know that that's what, what I didn't you know done. what I had done. Yeah. But I remember, like, when you get a compliment like that, like from a teacher, I, I owe everything to teachers, really. I mean, when you get a compliment like that, you're just so encouraged. And then you're yeah. like, oh, I know, I love it. I love writing now. Yeah. Yeah. I, get, I had a kind of similar but different reaction as far as experience goes, because I remember in my American class in high school, I mean, she would read papers, and she never re- said the name of. She never uh, put the person out, and I loved that because yeah. I was, um, you know, we we're talking about nerds. I was president of the math club. I was Audrey the nice tall girl. Mm. I was five ten. I weighed a hundred pounds. So I was. How not, old were you when we were five ten? Um, so that would have been tenth uh, grade. Um, so like fourteen. Oh, wow. Yeah, because you know, we're, I was growing like I couldn't stop. So by time twelfth grade, between tenth grade and twelfth grade, I gained forty pounds because I finally stopped at six feet. You know, wow. and I kept eating like I always sure. did, you know, but, but the, the anonymity of her reading my stuff out loud was, was really good to me because I was just too embarrassed to, for everybody to And did you know. feel people like react to it yeah. and be like, oh, this, I'm yeah. not, I, I, this is a what, thing. What, you know, because they also, no one in school knew me as a funny person. So <laughs> when people would laugh at what she was reading. That was the big deal. That was awesome because I was hearing them laugh at my words, but they didn't And you know. weren't a funny person because you weren't. I was like shy. confident enough to. Yeah, in my family, I was funny. You oh, know, so you with, knew... with my friends, I was, but I not with other people. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then when I was in college, another English teacher, we had to write a paper a week, and same thing. Every week, my paper, all the class people in the class, my paper was always read, whether it was a poem, because we did a different um, sure. thing every week, whether it was a poem or or a story or whatever, and then. Our very last um, project was write a modernist poem or a short story. And 
I wrote a short story. I didn't take the easy way out. I yeah, I was going to say, that's yeah. not a balanced yeah. assignment. Yeah, and he didn't, you know, the thing about the, the teachers, he didn't care. This wasn't going to judge. You know, sure. But I wanted to get the story out. Um, and he handed it back to me, and it said in, like, big letters all the way across it, he's like, um, Audrey, this is great. You remind me of uh, Ann Beattie and Tyler, Ellen Gilchrist, who are all authors I love. Right. Who write short stories. He goes, this is amazing. Please promise me, don't stop writing, don't stop writing, don't stop writing. And Our all teacher's caps. fucking amazing. No, no. But then, but here's my reaction. I just put it under my bed for 15 years. I didn't start writing until like 10 years ago. But you remember it. I remembered it. Absolutely. I, it valid, I was validated. I was validated. I kept writing and not showing people. Sure. You know, until just, I guess, I don't know what happened in my mid-30s where I was finally like, fuck it. Teachers. World, you know, but yeah, it meant the world to me. Teachers, yeah. teachers, teachers. God. Did you have good acting teachers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many stories like that that I, I remember. And even teachers who shit on me, I remember them, and, and I'm still like, that was good note, though. Yeah, I yeah. still, I'm like, oh, I still make that mistake. I still, huh. but I rem- it's, it's, it resonates because yeah. it's true. It was a true thing that was... Somebody noticed something uh-huh. about me. I, I don't know. A, a teacher's a good teacher. Will just shape well, God bless change these your life. teachers. You know, I, I you can remember their names. You know, I Absolutely. don't know if the teachers remember me. Because, you know, especially in like high school and elementary school, because they run through so many kids after thirty years of teaching. But I sure as hell remember remember them. Yeah. You know, so you said Chicago. So after you were done with school in Toronto, you went to Chicago for yes. college. Or yes, I went that- to Chicago. Yeah, Chicago for college. Yeah, and then. Um, how soon did you start working after college? Did you like do a lot of grunt work, like commercials? Were you yep. doing a lot of plays? What yeah. was your path to get you to Los Angeles? I, uh, at the time, I remember I went to Los Angeles after school and uh, I, I, I didn't, I, I sort of tested for a thing. I just was like young and an idiot. I was out here for maybe a month and every meeting I had, they were like, you're from Toronto? Oh, you should go back there. That's where all the work is. It's going to be, it's only a matter of time. Like you're, you're my, I had a student visa so I could work out here or something like for six months. Uh-huh. And they're like, when that runs out, it's going to be, just go back there now. And Did you believe them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know anything. So I went back there and then SARS happened, I think. Oh, wow. And so the, the, the film thing dried up. But I was there and I worked at The Gap and stuff. Like I had Joe Jobs and I basically, I mean, Toronto's, a, is, is, there's always stuff shooting up there. Is that American a Canadian stuff and, thing that you just said Joe Jobs? Oh yeah, is that not a thing? No, I mean we always I we call them day jobs or like uh, gigs. Um, I had at Drag. Do you know Anthony Lemke? Oh yeah. Okay, so he told at um, I do a show called Five Truths and I think most of my listeners yes. know, which uh, Aaron did uh, for us last year at Dragon Con, and you told a great audition story. <laughs> and Anthony Lemke this year told an audition story, and he mentioned, "Oh, I had a bunch of Joe jobs. I've never heard that term before." Oh, it's actually pretty derogatory now that I think about it because it probably means like average Joe jobs and like what I'm doing now is so fucking special <laughs> well we yeah, yeah okay I guess I guess your way sounds so nicer just, to me <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't know regular jo- I don't know what do you say uh, Not, day job day job yeah that's much that's yeah. much nicer I had a day job it doesn't say anything about the quality <laughs> of the job I just I just exposed you for the person you are, Aaron. <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm just a product of my culture, my shitty passive-aggressive Canadian upbringing. Those two Torontonians I had here the other day for a podcast just said the same thing. They said they hated Canadians. I don't know if they're. I don't hate Canadians. I love okay. Canadians. Oh no! They, they they literally said, and I thought they were joking, but they kept going on about it. Like, oh no, we're terrible people. We never say what we feel. We're just terrible. Well, yeah, that's the difference between Canadians yeah. and Americans. Yeah, I think America. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like them both equally, but yeah. that is the difference. I think Canadians get a break because it we're polite. If we're Do you think general, Canadians I'm get that from English? Because no, the English kind of don't share what they're feeling either. It's it's yeah. I guess there's an English. Uh, it's also just very multicultural up there, so it means yeah. like every, you're you're encouraged to keep what you came yeah. with. So there's people who don't speak English, and what it does is it separates people. Right. Ultimately, it makes people very nice and very tolerant and very yeah. empathetic. Uh-huh. Um, but at the same time, it also makes them passive aggressive and distant uh-huh. <laughs> and maybe not cold, but there's a lack of fire. I mean, down here you get, we're just, you're, you're like, we're all on the same team, rah, rah, rah. And there's, so there's pride and there's yeah. energy and there's a, but there also is some hostility and some aggression. Yes. There's yeah. flip sides to both cause I like both. Yeah. yeah. If well, I would only so live lucky. in one. 
it yeah. would be it would be bad. I mean, it's yeah. good to be able to go back and forth. I yeah, think both countries lucky. together have it figured out. Yeah, and so um, you're not a dual citizen. You're you come here. I'm, for, I have a green card, so I, have a, you I, have I live here all the one time. One of those now. lovely green cards. Yeah. So you go yes. back to Toronto. You get a Joe job. All right, I mean, a Joe day job. <laughs> and yes, I worked. Uh, it's a much more blue collar atmosphere. There's always stuff shooting up there. I mean, Canada has its mm-hmm. own industry where they're making their own TV and film, as well as there's always a handful of American things shooting up there. And you start, but but unlike here, they're not looking for the next the next big thing. There's, they have no interest in the next big thing. Just come in and do the job. So you've got to start from like there's twenty casting people in Toronto. Uh, they don't know you, so you gotta get you gotta work on getting them to see you. And then once mm-hmm. they see you, it's gonna be for one line. I think I had fifteen parts right. in three years that were like security guard, yeah. student. I didn't, I didn't yeah. have a name. Uh, handsome, handsome delivery boy was my favorite. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but then they then eventually it got. Um, I think slings and arrows happened. That was my my bigger break where I was on a show called Slings and Arrows. Uh, when I had a name and I got to kiss a girl yeah. and things like that. And it was just a, 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 a huge deal for me at that time. Yeah, and getting that and having that be study, you're like, okay, this is definitely what I wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, it was like three months of going into work. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is the greatest. Now, Hannibal shot in Canada. Correct? Yes. Um, was it casting? Did you have to, did you have to come down to L.A.? I, to that show or up I, there? Well, I feel like I was shooting something up there. And so... Or maybe the first one was here, and then the call the callback certainly was up there. Yeah. And I remember, f- but I remember feeling like, oh, God, I hope I don't miss it for being in the wrong city, and it was, ended up happening in Toronto. Uh-huh. But I, so I don't quite remember exactly, but I know the callback was there. And it was uh, it was a great audition. It was, you know, meeting Brian. And, and you, um, ha- when you met Brian, were you, uh, Brian Fuller, mm-hmm. uh were you already a fan of his? Did you know his work, or did this was this the first time you knew of him? I know I I was a huge fan of Pushing Daisies. That's I just thought Pushing show. Daisies was the greatest, yeah, great show. And uh, I could not. <clears throat> it was almost I almost wished I basically had to put it out of my head because I didn't understand what this Hannibal script was. Right. Because I only knew Pushing Daisies, and even his other work. There's mm-hmm. nothing as dark as this. Um. I, 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 you could say that about a lot but, of shows. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's probably the darkest, darkest show ever made. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was hard to understand and sort of yeah. just be like, well, I'm going to go in there and I'll have made some decisions. And, and luckily it was one of those callbacks where everyone's so great and David Slade was a director in there. Mm-hmm. and they, they literally made me try it a thousand different ways. So it was in there for an hour or so, maybe 40 minutes, something like that. You're like, let's do it. So we do it, and uh, they'd be like, well, "Okay, now was do it." Was this when you were testing, like doing the network test? Or? Yeah. Well, I don't feel like that ever happened. Happened? <laughs> yeah. There was this where everybody was in the room. I don't. I can't. I don't recall if network people were in there. It was uh-huh. just a thing. I didn't remember. I don't remember recall thinking this would be the last one, and then right. suddenly it just was. Yeah. So they um, were. They were like, "Let's do it," so that you're. Really excited to educate everybody about what you're talking about. Let's do one where you're talking down. You're really upset. Nobody gets what you're fucking talking about. Let's do one where you're okay. Now you're like, um, you, you, you're you you hate this one guy. And you're trying to show him up. And let's do one. And we just did wow, a thousand that's a different lot, ways. Aaron. That's a lot. And uh, I loved it. That's where your training comes in. I'll exactly. That. That's, that's what that was. The minute it started happening, yeah. I was like, oh, this is this is this is the. I'm better at doing this than yeah. I am at doing any one thing. Well, I, <laughs> well, I'm sure they were also able to say, okay, well, um, it's not going to be this person, this person, this exactly. person. Exactly. And then the they, they, they latched on to do, something they yeah. liked best. Mm-hmm. They had like a conference and they're like, okay, this is the guy. They, we've chosen this one version. Now do it for all the scenes. And the scenes in, in those sides where I remember were also very, much different than what yeah. we ended up doing. So I don't know if they changed the role or, or, or if were, were that open or if it was uh, just a change in direction of what, creatively yeah. they they wanted were you auditioning um with um like uh the like people auditioning who got scott thompson's character no so you, when did you find out had you met scott thompson before this no and had were you like holy shit kids in the hall scott thompson i didn't then i remember like to be honest i remember my first reaction being like what the fuck is this show <laughs> like what are we doing now like i don't now, i didn't know what, what this show was before now I really don't know what the fuck show we're making. Uh, and, and how did it trickle in? So you find out, Scott Thompson, wait, does that say Lawrence Fishburne? Does that say, what, what? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's if so it was it was he was the last one. I think he came after me. Yeah. But he uh uh so yeah, I just remember being very you know, I knew it was gonna be good. That's yes. all I knew. Yes. And so for those early days, especially for Scott and I, I think we were like, What is this? Uh-huh. How are you gonna do it? Are we supposed to be funny or what? And you guys connected as friends really quick. Or yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's the thing. You guys have I'll, a really great chemistry. On, uh, that's on the thing. Thank you for saying that. That's the thing I'll remember most. I think yeah. about that show is cultivating that chemistry and sort of figuring yeah. out, sort of kind of floundering together and, and and working with him and figuring out just the chemistry and and also it coming from just being really he's such a great guy and just becoming yeah. close with him in real life as yeah. well. Um, he's he's so great. Cool. Um, was did you know who? Mads Mikkelsen was at that point. Yeah. So you already knew that. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I can't. I, I mean, that whole show. When did you, as a cast, as an ensemble, when did you guys know it was becoming a cult hit? Not just a hit, but this weird sensation. Was it after the first season, during the first season? Uh, I can't remember how, if we were shooting while it was airing or not. But right. I remember... It's really the fan art is what tipped everybody off. Thank like, you, Tumblr. <laughs> yeah, it was the, all Tumblr the Tumblr shit was what it. was like, oh, oh, oh my. And then all we're the flower these, crowns and yeah, all, all the stuff, stuff where we're like, what? What is that? Just yeah. whole uh, whole things about you know, just sex, sexy videos with Hugh and Maz. Uh-huh. It was uh, very. I remember thinking that when when they screened it for us, so very early. I think we were shooting episode five or something and they showed uh-huh. us a cut of the first one in a, like a theater and everything and being like oh shit we're fine like this is uh-huh. this is this is inc- this is so good uh-huh. also now i understand what the fuck we're doing now i understand what show i'm exactly. in exactly and I, did I, you had you was it easy to put like when you were kind of saying i still don't understand what the show is but we're shooting it right now i'm gonna keep going forward was um Brian Fuller, like, a great leader at that time, and David Slade, were they great, like, okay, I can put my trust in them? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's sort of implicit. That's what makes him a great uh, a great captain, is that mm-hmm. you just can trust implicitly what his vision is. Right. Um, and he's he's available. He's not uh, he's he's not necessarily on set all the time. Like, he's uh-huh. busy fucking being Brian Fuller and, yeah. and being the captain. Yeah. Um, but there's... What what he what he brings is just a, mm-hmm. a, a vision, and and not just um, if you ever had a question, he has the answer, right? Which is what you want. So even if you're not afraid, like a lot of times you're afraid of being confused because you're like, well, then I'm gonna ask him, and it's gonna be like he's. Sometimes you get a sense that people uh-huh. are bold, but they don't know what a, like they're not right. clean or clear about it. Were you blown away with the art direction? Yeah, when you first saw it. Yeah, blown. But again, like, not until I saw it yeah. on screen are you like, oh, because sometimes you like get to sets and you're like, this is beautiful, and you watch it and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so beautiful. It's like watching uh, very operatic, like watching an opera. It's exactly, I think, what he was going for. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it's certainly when operatic started getting thrown around. I was like, yes, so that's, that's yeah. exactly what this is. So your character, Brian Zeller, I'm saying that right, correctly. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um. He's a forensic specialist for the FBI, and says um, uh, there was you, Scott Thompson, and I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Hetian. Hetian Park. Um, did you guys uh, study, like, take classes? Yeah. Did yeah. you have somebody on set saying that's not how you say that word? Yep. Yeah. We had all that. Uh, we had uh, some. Uh, we had to do like uh, we had to learn how to basically do all the crime scene stuff. Like basically, uh-huh. when you arrive in a crime scene, the order in which everything happens and the how to fingerprint, how to dust for prints, rather. Uh-huh. Uh, how to, um, there's certain ways. So in order to take f- photos, there were certain procedures and ways you had to do, you know, label each yeah. photo and like do this. And so it just was like that. Just a lot of procedure stuff. It wasn't sort of the blood and guts of it. If right, you know, like right. The, 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 it was just like, you know, like any role you want to get into all uh-huh. that stuff just to further under, you want it to be second nature. So you're not like. Of course. Worried about any of that shit. And then um, there was a guy on set. And there was a guy on set who who was who who had been on a bunch of cases. He was a retired guy, and like 
he would sort of wander over and tell stories. I remember like an often like, you know, one time I found this dead girl and you're like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> like, I understand you're desensitized. I'm playing a guy who's desensitized. I'm not actually desensitized to this shit. You can't just walk yeah. up to me and tell me about murdered orphans or whatever you're about to do. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Did you ever, I mean, when you walked onto set, you're like, I can tell that's latex and fake brain matter and stuff like oh. that. Oh. No, uh, a lot of stuff looked really exceptional. Okay. Uh, most well, it, of it certainly did when you were watching the show. I yeah, mean, and some of it was, it was real people. Like some of those dead people are real people with stuff on them, oh, just really? lying still. Yeah, because there's sometimes where like my television's in front of me, and I would just look to the right. So I'm watching a whole scene out of my peripheral vision because I can't stand what they were putting on screen for Hannibal. Because it's sure. so realistic. Oh and yeah, I was like, how is this on NBC? I don't, I don't know, know what how they did. Is. I know there's a story. I mean, this is this is the the famous story I think with the show. But there there's this one uh, scene earlier on. I think it's episode. I don't know. But it's the angels guy, and he's carving up oh, yeah. people's yeah, yeah. back skins Ugh. and folding them out into yeah. these angel wings. Uh-huh. And uh, we find a crime scene where they've been sort of tied on their knees, and they're these big angel wings. Their back is all splayed, and the note from the network was that we could see a bit of the dude's ass crack. So could we put extra blood? Could we CGI some blood to cover up that ass crack? Sex is wrong, violence is right. That's exactly it. That's, that's, that's a whole American problem right yeah, there. It's yeah. violence is okay, sex. Well, violence. I had a sex scene in the thing, and there was cut. And one, I mean, there's a lot. I, it probably is just because it didn't work. I have no idea. Uh-huh. But one of the reasons I've heard it doesn't work is, or, or I remember on the day being like, there can't be any thrusting or coming. <laughs> Otherwise, it's, it's never going to make it. So you kind of have to like figure out. Wait a minute. How then what am I supposed one, to do? Yeah. Well, they figured it out. I mean, those scenes with Maz and and uh, Caroline and a horse person—they're just yeah. like a lot of like exquisite rolling uh-huh. <laughs> and like w- like thick space movement Mid- class. Wonderful camera angles and lighting. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, oh my goodness! I think the one, the one, not the angel was super gross, uh, but the one that <laughs> stuck with me. Like that gave me nightmares was the uh, silo one just because oh, of the, the visual. I agree. The visual. I mean, it was so. It was. I think it really upset me because it was so beautiful. I thought. You know, I thought the so, tearing off oh. the one guy was alive in that and he thing, was and yeah he was naked and super glued to a bunch of other corpses, and he had to rip himself off was the yeah. thing that I remember they screened that one because that was the season premiere of season two I guess, uh-huh. but they and I remember going oh in the. And Matt's just laughing at me. Oh, 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 he thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> but man, I, I, uh, oof, that one was brutal for me too. Yeah. Because you could really, it was really psychologically hard. Uh-huh. You could picture yourself in that. Yeah. His situation could. was so tough. Because you, you can't help but to say, what would I do in that <laughs> Exactly. You got to rip yourself out of there. You got to rip all your skin off and get there out of there. Um, let me see where we are on time. Okay. Because I want to get to Closet Monster. But oh, I have a sure. couple more questions about um, uh, uh, Hannibal. I was curious when um, Bev dies, right? Yes. Um, did she not find out till she got that script? And then no, we, no. So she knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing that happened. I, I mean, I've heard of that happening. I, I don't. Again, Brian's a super captain. Yeah, because so that was really a, suck. A people person. She was supposed to die in the first season. Oh, really? And so she and she knew that when she got the job. Right. She was supposed to be the big death in the first season, and they prolonged it. Uh-huh. And they told her that she was going to get. A, a four or five episode arc at the beginning of season two, and then uh-huh. she was going to get killed. So she she knew, uh, right? And I think it was all a relief to us that she would be back at least for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, because I've seen like interviews with um, like say some guys from men and women from The Walking Dead, where they're it's like it's like watching Hard Knocks. You oh. know, you're called into an office, and you know, well, I'm just going to let you know. Here's the script. Uh, you'll be dying. There's this, yeah, I can't believe, I can't, I I remember hearing once that I was off a show in the, because the makeup department gets scripts before everyone else, and they were like, I came in, and they they knew the next script, and they were like, your next episode, you're so much to do in the next one, I was like, really? Well, I was just like, blah, 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 and then you do this, and then you do this, and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So once I do that, what happens? And they're like, oh, then they, they arrest you. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what, what? <laughs> I was like, this is not. And they're like, oh, no, it's going to be so great. And I was like, but then I won't have but a job. Then, right? like, then, then I'll be then done. I'm done. Yeah. I want the job. Uh, what was it like? Had you been part of a project that got so much 
con respect, like convention respect, Comic-Con, oh. Dragon-Con, all those cons. Yeah. And what was it like to sit on a panel with people oh. that were such... You're fanables, basically. Exactly. I, I think for that show specifically, it was... Because um, it wasn't getting... It was much huger in that world than it was in the world world, right? Exactly. So yeah. it was hugely rewarding f- mm-hmm. for us uh, to get that kind of encouragement while we were shooting, and it was hugely rewarding to see that, and and also just like uh, for us to show appreciation in any way we could. Like it just right. was. It felt very mutual. Yeah. Um, we were we were super appreciative of of them and and. I, it felt reciprocal, and I think that's what kind of made it uh-huh. sort of very odd and very uh-huh. magical. And I, again, that's a Brian thing. I mean, I think how Brian live tweets and how he makes it a very inclusive yeah. with his fans, much yeah. much more so than any yeah. other showrunner. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Star Trek. I mean, oh my he's, gosh, he, he's I'm so like going clicked yeah. into his fan base that exactly. And I'm also a huge fan of uh, the novel um, American Gods. You know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm looking forward one. to both of them. And I wasn't surprised, you know, whatever the reason behind the scenes reason is that Star Trek Discovery got pushed back. It just got pushed back a bunch. It's just like, because I just don't understand how you can do, I mean, He's gonna do two good. iconic shows like American Gods yeah. and Star Trek Discovery at the same time. But I can't, I can't wait for, 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 for both of them. Yes. I know. And nobody can wait, but at the same time. It'll be good. Just yeah. let him do it, yeah. and it'll be good. Never leave said, him alone about Brian time lines. Fuller, we trust. I would yeah, say yeah, on my exactly. other podcast. Brian Fuller, exactly. I say on my other podcast all the time. Um, is this true? Um, oh, I, no, oh no. I think, no, 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 no. Oh, uh, it's not one oh, of those. No. It's not one of those. <laughs> it's actually. This is going to be such a letdown. Now. <laughs> no, I just remember. I don't know if I was talking to you at Dragon Con or Scott, or if I heard this from somebody else. Oh, no. You guys were doing your Q and A panels. Did your panel get raided by stormtroopers? Oh yeah, and that wasn't planned. No, it wasn't raided. They were just passing. They had to. They were passing through, and Scott, they were inside the room. Yeah, they basically were like, they they came in the 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 door in the far back, and were just trying to like sneak. A bunch of them were trying to sneak into some other room, like but like they, they had a place to go, raid. and they were cutting yeah. through yeah. our room. Yeah, and they were completely off to the side and out of the way. But I think when when. Like Scott Thompson is so great at these Q and A's, and he's so funny. He like jumped up and started like basically attacking them, <laughs> and the two of them sort we sort of uh, flanked them, and then like basically got into a shootout fight with and them. And they were totally game. They started playing back with you guys. Nope. No, no, they, they, they were just like trying to get the hell out of there, which made it more fun for us. Really, basically, of be like, of course, but they had a chance to play with you guys. Yeah, yeah. But it, that was that was super fun, and that's generally for any Q and A that. Uh, Scott and I get to do. I mean, yeah. he doesn't stay in a seat for long, much right. longer than five. So he's out in the audience and he's playing with people. And uh, I think that, and that makes uh, it such a much more special experience. That's uh, well, yeah. Like that's what, again, that's the like, kind of thing we're trying yeah. to do. Is why we're exactly. Appreciative, yeah. And it's like the inclusivity that you're. You might, my dog is eating a rawhide. It's getting all over the couch. It's disgusting. But I'm afraid if I take it away from Scout, he's going to attack Aaron. So I'm just going to have to clean that later. I had to say that. I just assumed there was rawhide mind. all over your house. I just it's all assumed. Over. Yeah. It's it's you're it's sitting. All, it's all you're over. sitting in it. That's right, great. Right right now, um, no that inclusivity and stuff like that. You know, making it even the five truths and lies shows that we do at mm-hmm. DragonCon. You know, it's just it's that live theater thing where that's not going to be experienced again. And also, all those people watching you and Scott are getting this attention that. You know, you're not going to get from reading an interview with you, yeah, or even listening to this this podcast. You know, it's very special. And I think just generally thing. with Scott and I, we just we generally believe that we're not that interesting, so we'd rather have fun <laughs> with you. <laughs> There's nothing yeah. we're going to really talk about. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's just like uh, the five five truths my show when Scott and Naomi started wrestling. Oh yeah, you know exactly. Like, that's yeah. a perfect example that, of what Scott like, will do every know, time. Exactly, and we, we there is no. How did way- that even start? Because nobody could figure out who was lying between Scott and Naomi. And so we're trying to do the applause off. And finally, they looked at each other and basically said, let's wrestle for, for who wins. Right. But and it he, happened so quickly. Like, like it happened in your periphery. And you turn around and they're rolling around on the floor. And we couldn't even explain that while we were doing the podcast, you know, when we did our recorded version. I don't remember. And we, I just we, remember being turned on immensely. Immensely. <laughs> of course you were. But no one got a good pic. All the pictures were like, everybody... You know, tweet us the pictures and everything, but it was just uh, a blur. <laughs> yeah, no, they blur. were really wrestling. Yeah, it was so fantastic. Okay, let's talk about Closet Monster. Brendan and I just saw it the other day. It's 
Such a great movie. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Congratulations. So it's a coming-of-age story of a young man who's haunted by traumatic memories. Mm -hmm. He's a very artistic kid and wants to get out of his hometown. And on top of that, he's also gay. And um, so you play his father. Though I love the last name. Of Madly. Madly. I think yeah. that's just so so brilliant. His name is Oscar Madly. Yes. You know, which, you know, the thing I love, how do you pronounce his name? Connor Jessup? Yeah. Okay. So that kid who, who does a brilliant job in the movie. Just amazing. Brian and I love watching it because we have our bedtime shows where we watch in bed. They're not that good. So we're kind of on our oh, computers. Like Falling Skies? So we watch every single episode of Falling Skies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that great of a show. I, and, I've never seen it. And, and, but it. Connor's in it. And he's basically, it's his coming of age in sci-fi world. Uh, so he's doing the same thing, becoming you know t- teenager sure. with emotions and feelings about I mean, that age, sex. You gotta but, get yeah. good at that, I guess. Yeah, except he also has alien stuff coming out of his back because he's been fused. As you do. As you do. That's the way we all felt at puberty. Exactly. So it was kind of fun to see him in this role, which he is so, so very good in. I agree. American Crime is another show. I haven't seen that. You'll be blown away. Yeah. He's unbelievable on it. How did you um, come across this film? Was it just a a script you got in the mail, come audition for this? Yeah, it was... um, there's a script. It's one of these weird things. Where you're like, "Come meet the director," and you're like, yeah. "Ugh, what, 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 what could he? What in this meeting could could this meeting accomplish?" Yeah. Either so, I went in and I, I uh, generally when I try and get those those weird like, "Let's meet and discuss it." Like huh. you're meeting with a bunch of actors. Like, what is the? Yeah. So I just come in and I have it memorized. I was like, "Why don't we just read it? That's the only way for you to know if I'm if I'm right for you and if this is gonna work." Yeah. And so I just did that. And it worked, everybody. Yeah, it yeah. yeah, apparently worked. And I just had a very clear vision for what it was, what, 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 based on what Can I think the script little, was. Can you talk about what sure. the movie is I mean, about? Sure. I mean, I just, uh, yes. And, and what you, your so He's a, uh, well, as you said, I mean, it's about uh, uh, this young man Connor plays mm-hmm. who's uh, in Newfoundland. And mm-hmm. so it's a small town. His mother's left and sort of started another family. He's left alone with his dad. And he's starting to become artistic, and he's starting to want to leave home, and he's starting to uh, have a sort of sexual awakening. He's starting to know mm-hmm. he's gay, but he's he's haunted by this traumatic incident he saw uh, when he of gay bashing incident when he was young. So very he's extra one. sort of he's closeted in a in a very specific and, and difficult way for mm-hmm. him. Um, and I play his dad, and uh, I th- what I liked about it, I think, was that. For me, I mean, it wasn't, if the script was, I guess if Stephen had written a script that he was just a homophobe and he hated gay people because yeah. fuck them or because the good yeah. book says so or whatever, yeah. it would be so hard. I don't, it's not that those people don't exist, but it, I don't, what, how do you, I don't, I'm not, I don't know what part I'm supposed to attach myself to. Like, exactly. it's so foreign to me, yeah. that kind of thinking, but this was a character who, there was a lot of gray area. I mean, there's there's scenes in there where he's just being a full on good dad. Well, that's that's the wonderful thing uh, about the film, and and, and uh, um, your character is not a stereotype like you like. Yeah, saying. great. Thank so you. It, yeah, it starts trying. it starts out with this, you know, and I've never seen this done before. Maybe it's something dads do, but there's this beautiful scene where you're putting your son to sleep and. And you you blow up a balloon, and inside the balloon is the dream. And, and, yeah, I know. And and it's a, and and you let the balloon you know deflate into his brain and say, "Now go to sleep." And it was so beautiful. And it was just like, what a creative thing for a dad to to do. And it set it set up right there. This man loves his son. I mean, Absolutely, there, there and I think that's no the that's the kind of uh, so he loves his son so much. It's all he has. His wife has left yeah. him. He's never really recovered from that. And then his son is. Thinking about leaving, and his son is becoming yeah. artistic, and yeah. gr- therefore growing distant, and they're mm-hmm. having less and less in common. And then he it's becomes about the gay thing, and right. so that's where he puts all his energy and his fear. Right, right. he's just like a man who loves his son so much and is so afraid of losing his son. Yeah, and that's the easiest place to put it. And that, to me, is much more indicative of I think like a lot of homophobia that I see. It's people who are afraid and confused rather than afraid of what you you don't know. And I exactly. think like one of the especially um, when it's a relationship like that, uh-huh. it's uh, you're 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 it's someone you love who's now something you can't know about them you, or don't know you anything. Don't understand, yeah, you don't understand, don't understand about feelings, them, and so yeah. you become yeah. uh, fearful and you become mean. You yeah. become angry. 
it, it all translates in anger, and there's it's such an easy place to put it. It's mm-hmm. it's, it's always the easiest place to go. It becomes it's, cancerous. Yeah, the 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 part in the film after um, as a little boy, your son witnesses uh, the act of violence on, mm-hmm. on a gay kid. It's three bullies yeah. beating up kid and um, using. He's basically sodomized. Yeah, it is very violent. And that's that's apparently true of it. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of this movie is is. is Brian and I left, and we 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 thought the way it played is that this. We thought I was wondering about that too. Is it yes. just seems like the person who wrote this. Um, and that was a th- that, but that specifically is true that Which there was just, a, a boy who was horrifying. sodomized with a uh, yeah and okay. went in Stephen's small hotel. This was shot in the Stephen's hometown where he. Grew up and there was yeah. and that happened when he was a young boy and he remembers it obviously. Oh my God. It, it, it's horrifying and, and the thing is the little boy is right there and he wants to stop it but he can't so there's that issue of not being able to take action because he mm-hmm. knows it's wrong and he has his little stake in his hand you know like a, little, a weapon and but when he goes home and he's watching the news with his father and he's like why did the boys do that the father's answer is. Because yeah. he's gay. Right. So, I mean, that immediately imprints on that kid's brain. So, you know, his visions of the, the is it rebar or the, the, the yeah, bar? Yeah, yeah, rebar. You know, um, from that violent incident, you know, he everything is bad is going to happen to him because of these feelings he has and because he's gay. And, and, and it was um, oh, very, very well written and very it was very complex because you know children are just sponges at that that age in their formative mm-hmm. years and whether or not a parent means something one way or another it's going to build who they are right you know and i just yeah i feel like connor does such an amazing job he did. of having that good. underneath yeah. everything and every really scene. Great cast. Yeah. yeah 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 and he's i mean every his because there are some scenes where he's just kind of a petulant teen but you yeah. know it's not what it's about yeah so it never feels like a petulant teen mouthing right. off. It's just right. you're like, no, he's going through some shit. He was he's responding to this, his dad bringing home a woman and trying yeah. and being sort of being like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah. Right, tits, right? Yeah. You know, like I mean, so yeah. it, it's it's uh, it's really a testament to him and to the script that Stephen wrote that that it's all uh, that it's it's specific and that mm-hmm. it's exists in this yeah. in this gray area where it's not just. You know, these coming-of-age stories have, like, a formula to them a little bit, and a lot of times the, the dad, the evil dad, is just sort of like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. they got to get away from him and then start mm-hmm. their life, and this is a bit of a different thing. This I mean, the final scene, yeah. I think, is much different mm-hmm. than most of those. Um, I'm not going to yeah. get into it, but the final yeah. scene is, 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 is much more... Uh, he's not free of his father. No, no, and which I think is, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, and I think... The, since they, there is that complicated relationship between with the mom mm-hmm. and with the dad and and everything because as we said before there is dad does have love for him he just doesn't know how to you know I can see in the future a reconciliation possibly maybe hopefully you know kind of thing <laughs> yeah kind yeah. of thing you know so um, with like you said it doesn't the trope doesn't follow the same it's not a cookie cutter. No. Script, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say, and especially for a a movie, um, a coming of age story for the LGBT community mm-hmm. to be able to see it, and also you know it, it's just it's not simple. I'll just no. say, I guess that's what I'm trying. And to isn't say. that it's like I simple. think that's why these sort of these LGBT coming of age movies resonate maybe more so than than straight ones. Like, straight ones are about nostalgia a lot of the time. Yeah, and like, yeah that's That's true. not what anybody fucking remembers their upbringing. They remember being hard. Yeah. They remember having problems and, and being feeling like the world was crumbling down around you, and that's much more what these movies feel like. So yeah. I feel much more connected, even though I'm a straight dude, I feel much more connected to mm-hmm. movies like this and Xavier Dolan than I do about, you know, John Cusack in a boombox. Right, right. How'd you feel when you saw the uh, finished product? Uh, I mean, thrilled. I mean, you're you're always you never know with these. Right. Things. But on this thing, it's it's again much like uh, Brian, especially for a guy who's his first time directing. He, he, there are a lot of times there, in the movies like this where it's not a big budget. It's just it's a lot of enthusiasm, but not mm-hmm. a lot of like, yeah, we're doing it, we're yeah. making it. And then you ask a question, they're like, uh, <laughs> yeah. The but Stephen was had had immense clarity with with what he wanted. And considering it's personal to him, that just makes it more mm-hmm. impressive to me. I, I don't yeah. know how, 
it, it made him invested in all the right ways and none of the wrong ways. It made him uh, focused in all the right yeah. ways and none of the wrong ways. And that to me was so which I mean, he's also a young, like, it's an annoyingly young guy. <laughs> so it's just the whole thing. I mean, he's so, he, it's, it's great to be, uh, it's great that you saw it. And anybody who goes to see it, I think it's great just so you can be like, oh, I like Stephen Dunn movies before yeah. they were cool, before, before everybody before did. Before everybody yeah, saw yeah, yeah. them. But now this will be, this is, this is the next one or the next one. They're going to yeah. be all huge deals. Well, it's very, um, you know, it's also visually Stunning, yes. as well as the story, you know, so that he's, he's got an eye for, for that as well. Yeah, he's yeah. immensely, the, the things like the balloon awesome in the head. And, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. He's like everything. It's, 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 it's 100%. Um, now, this won an award at the Toronto International Film Festival. Yes, there? I think Best Canadian, Canadian Yeah, Which is a good thing. Sure. It's in Toronto. This, so. Let's have it. We'll have it. Yeah. And it won, I mean, it's won some awards. It's playing, so it's playing all around in these rooms, uh-huh. touring around, playing festivals still, but, but. Also, like it's in LA and New York now, but mm-hmm. it's playing in like Asheville. And so right. look in your local papers and, and, yeah. and see where it's been playing a week here and a week there in independent theaters. And it's playing 50, 60 cities or something, but it's winning that's LGBT great. awards and, and all that fantastic. stuff. Yeah, it's really great. It is. It's, I, I, really I happy highly for recommend you to go see it. I had one question that mm. I wrote down. I wasn't going to ask you, but I figured, you know, to satisfy my. I'm vanity. here. Let's get I'm in here, it. Here Let's get me. into it. My vanity reasons when I was sure. doing research on the closet monster and stuff and i oh. saw a picture of you and the cast on on the red carpet i'm like fuck <laughs> oh, no is it just this vanity what's it like to be on a really cool red carpet oh i'm never gonna know it's a stressor i don't know that's man. why i want to know is it like do you are there people all around you saying stand here stand here talk it's to a this little person. bit of that yeah. for sure it's yeah. it's not some like because everyone looks good. Let's just walk from A to B like yeah. normal. No, it's 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 rigidly timed. It's <laughs> it's rigidly set up, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not. I don't, I don't know. It's not. It's there's something carnal about it that's uncomfortable. Like there's there's a there's a aggression right. to it. So it's got this like fancy dance. Like oh, we're so fancy and elegant. Oh, so elegant. But there's like a real aggression surround just outside right. of frame. Uh-huh. There's people who are stressed about what time it is. There's photographers there's yelling at you. Fights going full on. on, being like, "Me, look at me, look down here. Excuse me, hi, hi, hi. You, what's your name? Blah blah blah." And it's just, oh it's just God. weird. It's weird, and you've got to act like, "Hey, I'm just." You know what, guys? So great to. I'm I'm on red carpets all the time. Also, <laughs> elegance, selling elegance. But it, nothing feels like what you have to per, be. That is so the answer I wanted. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I wanted it's, it's not a thing. Yeah. Don't no one should be trying to do that, uh, or no no one should be aspiring to be on a red right. carpet. Aspire to other things. Exactly. That's a that's a thing you have to do. <laughs> that they make you do. Um, so you you just got back from filming another episode of Blind Spot. So yeah. when's Blind Spot on? Blind Spot's on tonight. This is a Wednesday, Wednesday at eight. Eight. On NBC, and you started this season with Blind Spot, or last? I was season? on last season. I did a, a four episodes or so. I'm a DA, and basically, I just have a bone to pick with them. They got some tattooed lady running around trying to be an FBI. Are you, that's not cool. Are you angry, Aaron? In this, are you I, angry? It's growing. <laughs> in the first season, I would say I was not angry. I was extremely confident and competent, and a problem. <laughs> So it was like that kind of antagonist where you're like we're super chill. You're just like, what are you going to do about it? You can't do anything. Look, I have this file, I have this file, this picture, of that picture. What are you going to do? Listen, let me just explain to you what, how this is going to go. And then this season, because they kind of won, I didn't really get my way last season. So now it's starting to get, uh, yeah, I'm a little butt sore about yeah. the whole thing. And so it's goodness. starting to get volume, starting to go up, starting to talk out of the tops of my eyes a little bit. It's just a little <laughs> threatening. <laughs> this is gonna make me go watch Blind Spot. Good, do- yes, go do that. I want it. And then you like uh, we said earlier, you just got you had three episodes on Masters of Sex. Do you have anything else coming up uh, aside from Closet Monster and those two shows? Uh, no, I just wrapped um, a couple things that I wrote. So there's a film called The Go Getters that I wrote with uh, that we shot in Toronto. That's like a dirty, dirty, dirty uh, comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of just been locked, and now there's. So sorry. Oh, so it, yeah, we shot it, and yeah. now it's it's it'll hopefully be out. You know, they'll Is this figure out change what my the opinion festival. of who you are, Aaron Avery. It's certainly much more comedic thing than I think <laughs> I've ever done. 
And I think I generally am because, like, I think more so a comedy guy in dramas. Uh-huh. If I, and this is a full on. It's like Bad Santa, essentially. Right, right. With me as some sort of drunk derelict guy. And it's so, called The Go-Getters. Yeah, it's called The Go-Getters. Um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be in everybody's eyeballs at some point. Excellent. And, I, yeah, I, I wrote and directed a short just recently. I just directed something. So now we're in post for that and wrapping that up. And then What are you going to do with the short set at the festivals? Yeah, right. That's what you do. That's what I heard. I guess, yeah. I just wanted to figure out if, I mean, it was a thing where I was like, I wanted to direct and just see if that was a thing. Did you like it? Yep. Want to do yeah. it again? Yeah, I would do it again. Awesome. So that's a, uh, and I think it turned out, I mean, I'm happy with what it was. I think that's that's the thing. I don't know if I am any good at it. That'll be for other people, I guess, to decide. But I was we like, this is what I wanted. We I did what I so wanted. Hard. <laughs> Where can we find you on social media? Oh, it's uh, Mr. Aaron Abrams, M-R-A-A-R-O-N-A-B-R-A-M-S at uh, Twitter.com. That's not right. That's <laughs> not how say, that goes. Just say on Twitter. <laughs> Twitter. It's your Twitter handle. It's Twitter and Instagram and are you That's active it. on? You're active on Twitter. I don't think I follow you on it. I'm so bad at Instagram. It, yeah, they're both they're different. They're different yeah. versions of me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Instagram is like a little bit more. No, there's this, I'm just fucking around on both those things. I'm not really serious. And every once in a while, I'll be like, "Oh, I'm in an episode, so I'll watch it." I guess. Oh, hey guys, time. sorry to bug you. I don't want to bug anybody. I just <laughs> you get real Canadian. Yeah. Oh, so listen, I'm just <laughs> I'm just some idiot here letting you know eight o'clock. Moon Wednesdays. But now every time that you do that on Twitter or I hear you do that, I'm going to think, oh, he's just being super fucking passive aggressive. No. He's not being polite. It's, um, if any, look, it's a, it's a mix between real humble and faux humble. It's a nice mix. It's, it's, it's legit humble, but not so much that you have to worry about the guy. That's good to know. Like, oh, he thinks he's a real bag of shit, this guy. No, no, that part's fake. Okay. Aaron Abrams (laughs) is a good guy. Thank you. Let's. Oh, I like that. Aaron closer. Abrams is a good guy. Thank you for coming over to my house and dealing with my dog. It's a pleasure to kneel before he, you. Yeah, I told you he would. He would. He would be sleeping by the end. We tuckered him out. We did. And thank you. Thank you for saying that. Thanks hey, for no kneeling, kneeling the entire May time. May I get up, or is this? Um, a per, what? How does this go now? Um, I would like you to wait for me to leave the room, and then you can follow out. As long as as long as you're behind that's me. That's my preference. Okay, great. Because if you notice, my chair is higher. Than yours, I absolutely, yeah, and then you're kneeling on top of that, right? And, and so, I would never feel comfortable okay. uh, standing, and then yeah. you also continuing to look yeah. down on me. I'm like Trump, status is very important, yes. Wait, why am I ending my podcast on Trump? I don't know, you that was terrible. It. Let's go back to Aaron Abrams, is a really great person. Great, thanks for coming over. Thank you, supplicants. You may now rise. The merciful odd has chosen to spare you. Please exit the internet to your left.